A good day and welcome to episode 38 of the Ombra Gaming Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Manny, and as always, I'm here with Matt, I'm here with Steve, and we're joined by our very good friend, Wout the Hashtagonist, our Canadian correspondent in the mighty north. Uh, how's it going, Wout? Thanks for being good, here. Good, good. Life is good north of the wall. Good. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it seems it. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to go over there. Yeah, it yeah, sounds it like something great. I could get it's, into. We're having a hot summer. And everybody's complaining, so that's typically Canadian. Well, uh, good to have you on the show. We're really excited that you're here. Uh, of course, Steve and I met while at PAX East in Boston. You you were on the panel with What's Good Games, and that was awesome. And then we all had a blast at the Whiskey Priest and made some new friends. And WoW is just a lovely community person. You were the, I, I think I referenced you as the glue that holds us all together when we had <laughs> when we had Jimmy Good on the show. Um, uh, I think Rick too. And we had Rick as well. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Rick so. is awesome. I need to have Rick too. Uh, yeah. Actually, how we met is one of my favorite things that came out of PAX because. It was just like uh, hanging out, like you said, at the bar, and then we all made friends, and then you connected with Jimmy, and then uh, I connected with your friends. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's one of my favorite things about what we do here. So anyways, we're excited to have you on the show. Thanks for, I'm thanks excited for to be here. Awesome. tagging along. Uh, Matt, hello. You look fantastic as always. What oh, are you drinking? Oh, thanks. Oh, I have this uh, wine from oh, the lovely. Green Grape, which is this little wine store north of me. And I was just outside watching tennis earlier. It was very nice. nice. Can you do us a favor? Can you uh, turn your webcam a little bit lower? Because we can only see the top half of your face. <laughs> well, that's all I want you to see, actually. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> you got a great forehead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. It's enormous. <laughs> well, for this episode, we have a lot of exciting things to talk about, just like we always do. Today's topic of the podcast is some statistics from the industry. So we're going to look at some demographics of who's playing games and what kind of games are playing. We're going to look at what genres and what kinds of games are popular. We're going to look at what platforms are popular and all sorts of things. So this is going to be a data-filled episode for you to sink your teeth into. And we're going to kick the show off with a little bit of past sticks where we go around and talk about the games we've been playing recently. But before we get to any of that, and before we even get to housekeeping, uh, Wout, if you could introduce yourself a little bit, talk to us about you know what you do, your involvement in the industry, and where people can find you. Sure. Uh, so I'm Wout, uh, better known often on Twitter as the hashtagonist. Uh, I've been um, like doing my shenanigans for almost three years now, really. Uh, and, and it's kind of a weird story that I have. I'm not sure how much time you want to give me for this. But it, it really all started in Twitch chat of uh, Game Traders, the, the website Game Traders, uh, now Easy Allies, where I was just hanging out and they had a, a bit uh, of a puppet cat buttons. And you can see him over my shoulder here. <laughs> we really wanted to go to E3. And it was fantastic. So uh, and I really enjoyed it. And the year after, I was waiting for buttons to come back and he, he didn't never showed up. So I created a Twitter account for buttons, like super unofficial. I did not consult with anyone. Uh, and that got like huge popular for some reason. And then I started to feel bad because people thought I was actually with game traders, which I was <laughs> clearly not. I was just like a parody <laughs> account. But then I made so many friends in the game industry. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just do this for myself. And um, Andrea from uh, What's Good Games, she told me like, okay, you got what it takes. Just like leave the cat behind or make your own cat if you must. So that's what I did. And that's when I became uh, the hashtagonist. And then just kind of started rolling. Like I got a, a writing gig at Loot Crate. Uh, and then I started to do my own blog after, do my podcast. 
Uh, and then before I knew it, I was at PAX East on, on the panel with What's Good Games with people I've admired for years. And it felt so impostery. Uh, and I think that's when I saw you guys um, at the panel. We're all frauds. I think one of you asked a question there. That was this yeah. guy. <laughs> I, I was, to, yeah. In my defense, I was a little bit hungover and so I was struggling. Um, so yeah, it, it's, been, it's been fun. It has been uh, relatively successful. Uh, but what I try to do really, and that's my, my mission statement, if you must, is just to bring a little bit of positivity in an often snark-filled uh, piss pool of the gaming industry. <laughs> that's pretty accurate. <laughs> That is pretty accurate. Well, uh, yeah, I was fascinated by your story. You know, Andrea obviously spoke a little bit about how you kind of got started and, and then you shed some more light on it. And I was so happy that we crossed paths at the bar because, yeah, your, your story is great. And I think it speaks to what I see as, as a very modern on-ramp into the industry where it's like I was tangentially involved in, in, you know, what became Easy Allies, not even that official, and my personality and my drive and my content creation sort of got me to where I am, which I feel like is is unique in that that it wasn't possible to do it that way, like, 15 oh, years no. ago. Yeah. I, I knew nobody, uh, and at my first E3, I just hit the floor. I hit all the parties, introduced myself to everybody, and then it starts rolling. And now it's time to monetize that because that's another story. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Aren't we all trying to monetize that? But yeah. So you can find me on Twitter at the hashtagonist. That's the, that's where I do most of my uh, most of my stuff. That's where I get all the info. And we can see some of your rad Dragon's Dogma. Yes. On yes. Twitch. Uh, on Twitch, yeah. I just started that. Uh, I, I was gonna save that for the past the stick. So let me stop me now. That's fair. Because I have nothing to stop <laughs> uh, talk about the uh, the next segment. But yeah, I will definitely mention Dragon's Dogma seventeen times during this podcast. Perfect. Well, again, we're happy you're with us. Um, everyone, go check out Wilds content because he's rad and he has some of the best Twitter jokes I've seen to date. Mm. All right. Well, with that, the house is disgusting. So let's clean it up. First up on housekeeping, please follow us on social media. We are at Ombra Gaming on Instagram and at Ombra underscore gaming on Twitter, where you can find our rad tweets and even better pictures. We would love it if you followed us there. We can also be found on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Ombra underscore gaming, where we stream almost every single day of the week across a variety of platforms. We stream all sorts of games and we have all sorts of fun. So you can find us on Twitch and play some games with us. And if you are so inclined to join our community and hang out with our amazing Discord friends. You can do that by following the link in our Twitter bio. We have, oh, I think, like close to 70 Discord friends now, and they're all fantastic. I mean, I'm a little biased, but I think we're amongst the friendlier Discord community. So if you want to come hang out with us and talk about video games all day and all night, join us through our Twitter bio. We would love to have you. And if you are enjoying what you're hearing and you want to share your thoughts, you can give us a call and let us know what you think about an article on our website or the podcast or anything else video games related, you can call us at 347-509-5620. And we do have a voicemail for today's episode, so we'll play that towards the end of the show and respond accordingly. People can call you, you absolute madman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've opened the doors to the internet. Welcome, internet. Yes, come be horrible and racist. No. Um <laughs> If you are enjoying what you're hearing so much, and if you love our content, it would mean a lot to us if you could support us at patreon.com slash Ombra 
Gaming, where every single dollar will go right back into the show to make us the very best gaming podcast we can possibly be. Uh, we have an amazing group of Patreon supporters, and we appreciate all the support they give us. So if you want to join that group of patrons, you can do that at patreon.com slash Gaming. And our patron patches just came in yesterday, and they're beautiful. So They look amazing. It's yeah, almost time you. for uh, the next blooper reel, too. It's almost time for the next blooper reel. We're getting there. So check us out at patreon.com. We would love your support. I was going to plug the event, but by the time this comes out, the event will be already done. So I'll just say it was great, and we made a bunch of new friends. George Clooney was there. I played PUBG with him. Barack Obama came with his daughters. It was very cool. Um, so the house is now clean. Let's move on with the show. It's time for Pass the Sticks, where we go around the group and talk about the games that we've been playing recently. Hey, Wout, what have you been playing recently? I'd love to know. <laughs> oh, welcome to the Dragon's Dogma podcast. <laughs> that is all I've been playing. Um, it, it's no secret if you follow me on Twitter how much I love this game, uh, but uh I'm in a little bit of extra time now that I got reorganized, so I'm just sitting at home being a professional gamer for the last two weeks. So I decided to take it to another level and started speedrunning uh, Dragon's Dogma. Um, and, and it's not like the clean speedrun like you see like with people who actually know what they're doing, uh, but there's a, an actual mode in Dragon's Dogma called speedrun mode. Oh, wow. So, and it has an in-game timer for it. Um, but the trick is you can use your New Game Plus save. So you have all your items, you have your levels and, and all that stuff. Uh, and it includes um, portal points that you set up in your save game. But still, the same rules apply to everybody. So there's still a, a ranking on speedrun.com. Uh, and I'm currently fifth in the world with wow. my hey. speedrun. Yeah. Nice. Oh my Single god. Digits. That's really yeah. good. The, well, I think that's because only five people have uploaded their speedrun. <laughs> so I'm basically last. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's a ton of fun. And because I've been like so vocal about this game... Um, I started streaming the speedruns, but that, that does not really do the game justice. So right now I started a brand new save with a full playthrough where I'm just showing the highlights of the game because it's such a good but super underrated game because it just went under most people's radar. Uh, it's a Capcom game um, and it has so much good stuff, all well hidden below a terrible marketing campaign and a, kind of a weird opening hour. Because uh, I got this for free on PSN uh, on the PS3, played it, didn't like it, put it away, and now it's like my favorite game ever. Wow. Yeah, I've gotten so close to picking it up on Steam sales like many times, but haven't like picked it up. It's like 15 bucks right now. Yeah, that's a sandwich. <laughs> that's yeah, a sandwich. pretty much. Yeah. Uh, but then you get 200 hours of sandwich goodness. It's true. <laughs> if I could purchase sandwich one goodness. sandwich and be fed for 200 hours, it would be a no-brainer. So yeah, um, when I was watching you play, it looked like an absolute blast. Yeah, it looked like something I could sink my teeth into. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, uh, you guys weren't there when I fought the Griffin boss, but it is like a scene from a movie. It's like so good, but it's on YouTube now, so you can check it out on either Twitch or YouTube. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I was watching. I think you fought. Uh, I don't think it was a boss. It was just a. It was like a chimera, um, and like how you could target each individual part. Like I think the goat, right? The goat healed it, so you had to target the goat first that was like on top of it um and you can like kind of jump on it you can jump it cut the snake's tail off yeah. and um and, and the other day i was streaming 
uh, and I was fighting the same chimera because it's the same area I was in. But at the same time, there was like eight direwolves attacking me, and my lamp ran out of oil, so it was pitch black. All I could see was the light in the eyes of my enemies oh my circling God. me around. What? So I had to set. Yeah, That's it was so good. So I, I set the chimera on fire just so I could see my surroundings. As a source <laughs> of light. This game has all of that. Uh, wow. It's so good. In a lot of ways, it, it reminded me of. Um, of, yeah, like it reminded me of Monster Hunter, right? Because you have all these like creature enemies that like the approach to them can be like the approach to fighting in Monster Hunter, at least in Monster Hunter World, um, is very malleable. Like you can approach any fight a number of ways um, and you can get creative, which I love. And it seemed like this kind of had a lot of those same elements. Oh, exactly. And it has the same goofy facial animations as Monster Hunter. Right. <laughs> also a Capcom <laughs> game. Well, that's awesome. Uh, I'm... I, I should probably have already downloaded it, but I think that's a lock for me. Right so yeah. <laughs> um, I'll be joining your, your praises being sung on, on Twitter all about Dragon's Dogma. What else have you been playing? Have you been playing anything else or has it just been Dragon's it's Dogma? It's been that a lot. And I just picked up uh, Octopath Traveler oh, on my Switch because yes. I, I really wanted the game to justify my purchase there. Yep. Uh, but I've I've only unlocked two characters now. Okay. Which ones uh, uh, have you unlocked? I started with uh, Hathi. Okay. Uh, and now I got the Therian. I, I want to call him Therian. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The, I think that's his the name, thief. actually. Yep. Yeah. Uh, have you guys, been, like, are uh, put some serious hours in that? So I have Therian, I have Ophelia, the cleric, and I have the, hunt, the Huntress as well. Okay. So that's all I have right now. Yeah. So I'm a little bummed for now, but maybe it picks up that they barely acknowledge each other. Like... Mm. I met the thief as the huntress, and he was like, "Okay, I guess you can come." I was like, "Seriously, we just did a cutscene where you're like super snarky to people wanting to join you, and you met this complete stranger who's also part of the game. And you're like, okay, join my.' Right. That was a little weird. Yep. Um, so I, I um, I'm a chirp. That's with every character. That would be like a, a big thing on my experience. For sure. Yeah, I found that a little strange. Um, I'm not huge into the JRPG scene, um, and so this was really my first foray into it. Um, and so, like, all the weird things that I notice, I'm like, oh, that just must be a JRPG thing, you know? <laughs> I watched some of it on Twitch, and it looks really cool. Oh, it's so I wasn't pretty. sure yeah. if I should pick it up or not. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think the battle system is very cool. It, it kind of uh, innovates on your typical, like, turn-based stuff. Um, because with like the boosts and stuff, you can like choose when to initiate boosts and when to essentially use a, a very valuable resource during battle or to store it up. Um, and then uh, have you heard anything about the dancer's storyline by any chance, Wout? Uh, I think her name is I Primrose. I just saw a tweet of someone who like got like six levels in one fight because she did a silly dance. And that <laughs> is the tweet that made me buy this game because <laughs> he was just losing his shit. On, That's on, so funny. Uh, on a video it was so good so i can't wait to get primrose now yeah i was listening to the kind of funny i think it was the games cast that came out this past monday about octopath traveler and they're they talked a little bit about i had to stop listening because i they were getting into spoiler territory but they talked a little bit about primrose's storyline and it is so dark it's like really dark um and so yeah i'm excited to like get into the the darker less like happy-go-lucky side of the game but great game yeah so that's it, yeah, pretty much. Awesome. Very cool. Well, as is the Pass the Sticks tradition, who would you like to pass the sticks to next? I'll give it to Steve because he looked up. bored. So <laughs> the, I'm very – I can't, like, move right now because uh, of the, uh, headphone headphone, the headphones. So, like, it's 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 a tough situation yeah. here. 
so I've actually been sucked into a retro vortex because of uh, my hack chronicles, which you can read all about on overgaming.com slash read. Um, good so plug. Uh, you got to plug it because we still plug. we still don't mention the website and yeah. housekeeping like th- we never mentioned to go look That's at the true. website. <laughs> go look at the website, everyone. <laughs> so I uh, I hacked my SNES classic to add a bunch of SNES games, Sega games, Game Boy games. So right now I've been playing a ton of Pokemon Yellow. And so uh, let me tell you, as soon as I got Charmander, Pikachu took a fucking seat on the bench. Because Charmander's my boy. So much hate for Pikachu. The first (laughs) gym battle is Brock against Rock Pokemon, and you know what doesn't work against Rock Pokemon? Fire. Uh, Electricity. (laughs) No, before I got to him, I just I captured a Pidgey and ranked it up to a Pidgeotto. There you go. (laughs) So I was grinding Pokemon Yellow, and it reminded me of my nine-year-old self. But yeah, I've I've been having a fun time going back into uh, my my nostalgia. And especially with the game coming out at the end of the year, I was actually looking forward to kind of remembering what the story was all about, and I'm I'm looking forward to see how different it will be on the Switch. Yeah. I've also been dabbling in um, some other retro games, like I, I fired up Battletoads again, uh, because I hate myself. Bad memories with Battletoads. I just, <laughs> I just, I can't, I can't stop. Yeah. But I also downloaded a bunch of like old, like movie games, like Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, <laughs> what's ab- happening with you? It's absolutely <laughs> hilarious. These games—they're so bad, but they're so funny. That's really so. Funny. Yeah, I can't get out of the retro vortex. But um, in the meantime, I'd be playing a little bit uh, West of Loathing again on my Switch, oh, yeah. just because that's a game like it's an RPG, so you can kind of pick it up and do a couple of quests here and there. Yep. So uh, yeah, West of Loathing—I've talked about it before, but yeah, I really I recommend some some of you guys go pick that up. I think it's only like eleven or ten bucks on uh, the yep. the Switch store. Just a fun time. You'll get a lot of laughs out of it. Yeah. But that's uh, pretty much it. Uh, I'll get sucked back in. I actually brought my SNES. I was on hoping this you trip. would say that. So I, I think I'm going to bring it to the event tomorrow and just be like, hey guys, I know it's like a Microsoft thing, but who wants to play Pokemon? <laughs> who wants to play Home Alone 2? <laughs> <too? laughs> yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> that's awesome. So I am going to pass the sticks on over to Matt. Your sticks, Matt. Take it away. So I actually haven't really been playing many video games. All right, you're off the podcast. Get out of here. Because. <laughs> Uh, I had to spend a lot of time making our D and D campaign true. that That's we true. did Monday night. You did a which, stellar job, by yeah. the way. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, wow, so do you, have you fun. ever played D and D? Are you a D and D player at all? D and D is something I always want to play, but I don't have enough dorky friends. Okay. Um, well, we got like 65 of them, so if you ever yeah, want to join yeah. us, let us know. Oh, that's cool, yeah. Now, I played the D&D at PAX with uh, the What's Good Games. Uh, oh, nice. Fun, actually, yeah. Uh, I, I love it. Like, I would be fantastic at it, too, obviously. Of course. Because <laughs> I, I would, bend, I would bend, bend all the rules. But yeah. um, it's just, I'm too unreliable to set up an online campaign. Sure. or Because it's, you know, parenthood and, and stuff. Yeah. It just makes it. That it takes happens. a lot of work, too. It's like a lot to create. But it, it was a ton of fun, and uh, we had a lot of new players. We had like twelve people on the screen at there once. Was a lot of yeah. people. We it also was kind of crazy, which was its own challenge. Yeah, we did stream it, so you can actually go watch it if you yep. want. Um, it was very fun, and uh, but yeah, so so that's what I've been doing, and then I sort of just took a break from yeah. games in general after that. I have have you continued in the division, or are you still like? 12 13. I'm still like 12 13. Okay. I kind of got a little bored of it. Yeah. So I don't really know what I So I'm I'm actually sort of in this weird middle space where I don't know what sure. I want to pick up next. Yeah. So maybe it'll be Dragon's Dogma. 
You should. I think you would yeah, really like it from what I saw. Yeah. Could I recommend Home Alone 2 Lost in New York? For God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I would recommend Dragon's Dogma, as would as would Wout, I'm sure. I would also yeah. recommend um, Octopath. It's just a mm. it's a fun investment. Um, Maybe I'll do one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, I'll uh, pass it on over. Here's your sticks, Manny. Thanks for these sticks. Let's see. I've been playing Octopath Traveler. I enjoy it very much. Again, I'm new to that kind of those kinds of games. Um, but I, yeah, I think what really drew me in was the art. It's just so pretty. Um, when I saw the use of 16-bit, but in 3D space, I thought it was really interesting. They have a lot of foreground and background, and you know, like right now, I was doing one of the one of the quests for Ophelia and I was in this cave and you'll see like you'll see chests in the background and you just and you don't know how to get to them until you explore other parts of the map that kind of trail you and and bring you to the sort of backside of the cave and so I think it just it does a lot of really interesting things with space which I found really intriguing and so I've been playing that and I and I like it a lot I just beat a boss on my way to meet Steve at the airport and I felt really great about myself Mario Tennis, I finally kind of finished that game. I love it. I really do. I, I like... In my review, I said Mario Tennis is a great game when it chooses to be, and I think the moments that it chooses to be a great game are unfortunately too far in between, but those moments of good gameplay are brilliant. Once they fix the lag, then I'm all in. I'll be online tournaments all day, but the lag is just such a problem. I've done everything short of you know hooking up directly into a modem, um, or a router that is. So can you even do that with a switch? I think you can hardwire in, can't you? I don't know if it has an Ethernet spot. I don't know. Do you need? No, I don't um, think it is. No, I don't think it does. I could have sworn I heard Andy Cortez talking about it, but I could have. Maybe you could probably buy a cable for it that you plug in or something. Maybe some kind of adapter. I don't know. Well, any anything short of that doesn't seem to work. So unfortunately, it's hard to play a tennis game when the ball suddenly disappears and then reappears after it's been blown past your player uh get good <laughs> get good at tennis that's all there is to it what else i've been I'm overwatch i've been playing overwatch of course fifa the usuals i would say my biggest like investment right now is probably octopath traveler but dragon's dogma around the corner keep an eye out <laughs> um, they should start paying me for this shit i swear yeah, i mean you just sold a copy <laughs> to me so you know yeah. like Make sure you buy it through my Twitch channel because then I get a cut because I'm an affiliate now. <laughs> done and done. <laughs> so that was Pass the Sticks, where we go around and talk about the games that we've been playing recently. Let us know what games you have been playing. We would love to hear from you. Give us a call. Let us know. So with that, let's keep the show going. It's time for the topic of the podcast, which, as I mentioned at the top of the show, is statistics from the industry. So we're going to talk a little bit about, I guess, a handful of different data points. Um, so these are you know, bits of data that we've done our research on and have come across online um, from either like general databases about different populations or specifically video game databases. Um, and we will obviously reference those. So why don't we start with Steve? What data points would you like to bring to the table for discussion? So the first one that jumped out to me was age breakdown of video game players. And this was all for the U.S. in 2018. This is from Statista.com. From what? Statista. I think it's Statista. 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 So what do you got? So this one popped out to me because they were talking a little bit about studies that have happened over the past few years. And they even mentioned back in 2015, there was one that had mentioned that more than half the U.S. population had never even played a video game, which is kind of startling to me. When was that? That was in 2015. Um, Wow. But like now, between 18 and 29, 67% of Americans have at least played one. 
Okay. Um, so that uh, I feel like that jives a lot more with my expectations, just because I feel like video games are everywhere now. Because think about what classifies a video game. It's not just console. It's not just PC anymore. There are mobile games. There are handhelds all over the place. Yeah. So that definitely fell more in line with what I expected. So it's kind of weird to see that even in three years, th- there's a larger number of people who actually have access to video games. But the main things for the actual age groups, um, this wasn't too surprising. It looks as if basically 18 to 35 years old is the bulk of it. So under 18, it's 28% of the video game community is under 18. 29% is 18 to 35. 20% is 36 to 49. And then 50 and older is 23%. That's kind of rad. It's kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah, but because that's awesome. that means that you're getting like more people now. And I, I honestly might even attribute this to like... Nintendo and the Switch coming back strong 100%. just because you, you're kind of opening up that nostalgia to that that age group. And you're getting people who haven't maybe been interested in video games back interested in them. They want to buy these games for their kids, and then they start playing them again. And they're like, oh, shit, these games are fun. Why don't I keep playing these? So I like to see that it's not so segmented to you know the 18 to 29 or 18 to 35-year-old right. range. Because video games are awesome, and especially now at this point, they're telling stories that they couldn't have told, you know, even right. ten years ago, and forget about like twenty years ago. So I think that more people should be experiencing these, and it's cool to see that all age groups are kind of heavily represented. Everything is twenty or more percent, which is pretty good. Right. I think what's interesting is the three. So three years ago, what you said, less than twenty percent. No, it was less than. Well, it was more than half the population hadn't played a video game. Right, right. I don't know. I, that, that's almost... Sur- I mean, it is surprising to me because I look at something like the, Ninten- the Nintendo Wii, which came out in 2006, and their goal with the Wii was to explain, e- expand the like player base of video games. So I guess that is a little bit surprising, but at the same time, I think you're right about the Nintendo Switch and like more generally the on-ramp and the accessibility to video games is much easier. There's more people with a Wii in their closet than any other console. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like they don't play it. Never have, probably. They had the system. Right. And, that, and, and My father-in-law has a Wii, and he's never connected it. Exactly. <laughs> my, mom, my mom has a Wii, and she has the, 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 the Wii Fit baseboard thing, and it's still in its box. So, like, <laughs> yeah, I think there's something irreverent about Nintendo and their heavy focus on, like, accessibility. Not accessibility in the traditional term, not accessibility to people of who are like non-traditional gamers, because frankly, they're not the best at that. But um, accessibility in terms of reaching, I would say more than anything, different age demographics. I think they're good at that, and they have been since the Wii. They kind of tried things with the Wii U, but it didn't really land. I would guess that mobile phones have had a huge part in raising that number. Definitely. Absolutely. A lot of people... Because I'm thinking about like cost of entry for video games. Well, you either have to have enough money to be able to purchase a console or have enough money to purchase a PC that is strong enough to play some video games. But I'd say vast majority of people in the United States have a mobile phone. And the vast majority of the vast majority of people that own mobile phones own smartphones. And you can play games on your smartphone. And so I feel like that probably has expanded that number. So what I'm curious to know from your perspective, Wout, is someone who is a father, whose sense of free time has been turned on its head. Let's put it that way. You know, I I look at a guy like my brother-in-law and my sister who are both nerdy gamers and and they grew up that way. 
and in the two and change years that they've had a child, their life uh, is much different in terms of its relation to video gaming. So I'd love to for you to share some insight. Yeah. So so I think the video game industry loves people like me because we still buy the games, we just don't have time to play them. Uh, and I think that's a, a big shift. But um, especially for people like us, and that's what I sometimes struggle with, is we are so ingrained in culture and the industry and we know the numbers and the games uh, that it's hard to uh, easy to lose track of like the regular player especially when it comes to like remasters i have nephews that are 10 years old that now are playing uh ratchet and clank for the first time uh which i gave it to him because you know i thought it was a cool game when i was younger but people sometimes hate on like remasters and i was like no you don't understand like these 10 year old kids have never seen a playstation 3 in their life so they are cut off from an entire generation of games but people like us who are like well i have like two playstation 3s in the closet and my ps2 i can still hook that up so 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 that that's one thing that i notice when i'm getting older is that um yes i have access because i have had consoles since the nintendo 8-bit but there's a whole generation behind me that has not had that and do not have access to it so so that's one thing i'm learning now as a as a parent and an uncle and i see my nephews play for the first time but more personally my time has been just cut in in, in half basically so i enjoy short games a lot more <laughs> he said after playing 400 hours of <laughs> <laughs> But but that is just a major thing. Like yes, I do enjoy sinking my teeth in, uh, like a, a big giant game. But I need those short experiences or those super casual experiences as well. Like a Stardew Valley that you can just play for two hundred hours, but you don't have to um, per day. And that becomes more and more important to me uh, as an older gamer. But like I've grown into this year over year. Um, so I have disposable income now that I can spend, and if I don't play a game it's not a real big deal but for younger generations man it's a good thing we have so much choice because every purchase counts for some people um so i'm glad that we have like steve said it's better than ever more choices than ever and it's a great place to be in but uh god we just need more time than games at this point but uh it's i think it's fun that it's a a generation cross platform because my, my nephew is coming to visit from the Netherlands in Canada next week. And like he's been sending me questions like, how many skins in Fortnite do you have? And I was like, <laughs> exactly zero. And I do not play that game. Yeah. But it, it's just fun. And I'm glad I still enjoy it. And I probably always will. But getting into it now, I, uh, phew, I don't see that unless you start on the, like a Switch. But if you see the how complicated some of these games are on a PS4, Xbox uh, One, X, deluxe edition whatever good luck mom right you know yeah. <laughs> right yeah and, and i and i do so for example tomorrow at this event right most of the the daytime portion is focused on kids so we're gonna have um we're gonna have a minecraft session and we're gonna have like you know very basic learn to code video game workshops um using minecraft uh, assets and so i think there's there is that on-ramp for the younger kids um and i think they lend themselves well to ramp up not to the games we have now but to the games that they will have when they're our when they're our age i don't know it's gonna be interesting but i want to use that to kind of segue because i have some statistics about uh mobile gaming so this is sort of the breakdown of where we are in 2018 with the number of mobile gamers in the u.s so actually i'll start with 2016 in 2016 there was 180.4 million mobile gamers in 2017 19.2 uh, I'm sorry, 192.2 million mobile gamers. And in 2018, 
202.8 million mobile gamers. So if you look at those three jumps from 180 million to 192 million and then to 202 million, most of the jumps prior to that are much smaller. Um, and so I think it, I mean, that speaks to the kind of development that's happening on, on mobile platforms. And we now look at PUBG Mobile, Fortnite. Um, wait, no, Fortnite's not on mobile. It's on Switch. So I think it's in, it's an interesting sort of shift that's happening because I think a lot of studios and a lot of publishers are looking at mobile as a gateway, right? They're saying there's parents and there's kids and there's all the ages in between that have smartphones. If we can put our games in their hands, even if they're more limited in scope or, or limited in, um, you know, like graphical fortitude, then they're going to end up transferring. Like I, I, I imagine there's a formula somewhere that, you know, PUBG Corp is looking at and they're like, okay, for every, you know, for every this many mobile players on PUBG Mobile, there's going to be this many console players. There's going to be this many people buying a console so they can have the full experience. And so, yeah, I mean, all that to say is that it's just an on-ramp. And then I I actually want to back up um, a little bit and talk about some more statistics within the mobile gaming sphere. On average, a U.S. gamer in 2016 was believed to have spent $77.6 on mobile games the whole that for that entire year. That's just Brittany Braun background. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> uh, when it comes to genre preferences, the most played smartphone game, can anybody guess? Clash of the Clash most Kings. Kings. The, no, not the game title, the the game genre. Uh, the most popular game genre uh, on mobile. Tetris, puzzle. It was puzzles. puzzles. Yeah. yeah. Other leading genres were action, strategy, and adventure. Uh, while, the, while the majority of mobile gaming occurred in leisure time, some 18% of U.S. gamers in 2017 also admitted to playing at work. While 30% said they did so on the toilet. <laughs> uh, and in general, in 2017, uh, 29% of gamers in the United States said they spend about three to five hours weekly playing video games on their smartphone. So again, it just comes down to accessibility. I can play it at work when my boss isn't looking. I can play it in the stall when I'm trying to avoid my boss. Hopefully um, your boss is not looking when you're sitting in the stall. Well, no, those are two different <laughs> events, Matt. <laughs> But yeah, I'm fascinated with mobile gaming. I think also the advent of AR is completely changing the game. Everything from Pokemon Go to, you know, the Ghostbusters AR game that's coming out in a handful of months. With Greg Miller. With Greg Miller. Yeah, Yeah, he's he's in (laughs) it, which is which is awesome. A friend actually introduced me to this game called Room Racer, and it's the coolest AR game I've played since Pokemon Go. You essentially build a track and you race each other on the track, but you can you can stand in the middle of the track and like it's it's amazing. So I think there's um, some applications and some trends that are happening in the mobile gaming sphere that are just going to continue to grow um, and make video games more accessible, which I think we should all kind of be behind at the end of the day. Anyway, wow. What about you? What what uh, what do you got for us? Well, I kind of tried to sneak them in uh, during the general uh, conversation, but what what I'd like to uh, see is and we. we talked about this briefly before we hit record is uh, getting a more diverse public and and we are not the people to talk to talk about as, <laughs> as discussed right. uh, but but there are several people who do actually have a lot about uh, to say about this and i had some on my show two weeks ago and i think it just comes down to representation and i'm not sure if you found any data on that but i think that is going to be a huge push like the, the more people see themselves representing games that could potentially hit 
either, well, not an entire new market because they're probably already there to a point, but if, the more engagement you get, the, the more games they'll buy, um, which is uh, probably a huge uh, market for them there, but it's hard to find data, uh, but I'm glad to see the industry moving into a position. And it's, yes, it hopefully it comes from a good heart, but there, there must be like a, a money incentive there to, to drill into those markets. So, so it's a win-win for everybody. I think we're starting to see the seeds, especially with last year and this year, as we've talked about this ad nauseum with what Horizon Zero Dawn did and with the reboot of Tomb Raider. But looking forward this year, you got two big studios with two of their basically keystone franchises mm-hmm. and Ubisoft with Assassin's Creed and um, EA with Battlefield Five. Yeah. And both of those have strong female leads. This is great. Like This is what you want to see moving forward. You want to see more of these prolific studios putting out very interesting and new content because right. I got to tell you, we're all sick of this, the same old grizzled veteran in <laughs> yeah. shooter games. That's yeah. just doing the same story that you've seen a thousand times. Yeah. Give us something new. And that's what these studios are finally doing, which is great. And it takes a while to make a game, right? Cause um, I think this started a while ago. We're just starting to see it. Also, if you want to hear more about the writing in Assassin's Creed Odyssey, check my last episode on the Hashcast. Cause I had two of the writers of uh, Assassin's Creed on, oh, yeah. uh, on my show. Where can people find the Hashcast? Tell us uh, it's on YouTube. Okay. Um, it's uh, I I don't have enough subscribers yet to have like YouTube slash test yeah. So uh, if there's 49 out of you, we'll, we'll all but, right. Uh, all Ombra Kateers, saddle yes. up. Oh, Ombra Kateers. Um, assemble. Just, just, <laughs> assemble. Just Google it or, or tweet me and I'll, I'll send there you a link. Go. Um, but I, I love that as well. Like we see the shift. Mm-hmm. We we see it in um, the Last of Us two. Right. Th- these are all things that I think will add to gaming will add to the audience because everybody who's making a big stink out of it they're still going to buy games right like they are so their identity is so gamer that it doesn't really matter how uh, diverse we're getting they're still gonna buy those games anyway so we don't have to they're not gonna boycott video games no they're boycotts if they are did, never happening we'd probably be better for it so exactly but it would be I, I would love to see the data points in yeah. like the next five years to see here, uh, here's a big uh, uh, tentpole franchise. Here's one. Here's one. Mm-hmm. And did that get you into gaming, or did it le- make you leave gaming? Because good riddance. Yep. But that's also data I would love to see. Yeah, it, it, it's interesting. I think um, we talk about like what 2017 and 2018 have been for the industry and how games have been influenced by whether it be you know the political climate or the social climate or the changes that we see happening in those two spheres. But yeah, I mean, if you look at the trailers that came out of uh, E3. So many of them had women as as lead characters, uh, which is so amazing. Which is awesome. I hate men. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it really is interesting, and I think for I'll speak from myself as a as a Hispanic as a lo- I'll speak for myself. I'll speak for no one but me. <laughs> uh, as a Latino, I I constantly think about why there aren't normal latino characters they're always like the suave lover or the the six gun shooting mexican or the luchador right um and i've i've had conversations with kali from spawn on me about this um i've kind of gone gone back and forth with danny pena about this and it's like the tropes uh they're based on hollywood and that's not that's not reflected in reality and so like if i saw a normal well-adjusted latino in a game i'm probably gonna fucking buy that game you know um but at the end of the day i think there just needs to be money that will support that kind of creation 
Um, there needs to be money going into supporting people of color to get into the games industry, to build these games, to develop these um, experiences. So yeah, it's I mean it's it's tricky and it's sticky and it pisses people off, but it just needs to happen. So Matt, what do you have to bring to the table? So my data points that I were looking at are actually around Twitch and Twitch viewership, and I have a few data points. Uh, ones that are mostly from this year, 2018, um, but mostly earlier, like May and February. And I just thought it was really interesting because you know Amazon bought Twitch for like nine million dollars, and then they just have poured investment into it in terms of Amazon Prime being able to sub you getting they're creating a desktop app that will I imagine eventually compete with Steam because they're giving you all these offers for video games that you can just claim for free so I think it's really interesting direction I think Twitch with PUBG and Fortnite has been a huge mover for welcoming more people into the community there's women streamers for people to see and and be part of their communities there's people of color that are streaming you can be part of their communities and so in terms of like visibility of gamers i think that's a great way to expand the player base as well seeing people that look like you are like you in a way and are gamers and then you feel i can be a gamer too even though there's tons of reports of those people being harassed on twitch but that is another topic but so as of february so these are all twitch stats as of february there are a hundred million monthly unique users on twitch wow how many million a hundred million Jeez, that's monthly. so does it define what an what a unique user is is it a consumer or a streamer or is it just these are who has consumers an these are people that log into twitch to view something per month okay to define that number more, so the number of Twitch users that go on daily, and these numbers are from uh, expandedramblings.com. Okay. Uh, the number of Twitch daily active users is 15 million. So wow. someone logging on daily yeah. and repeatedly logging in per day is 15 million. And then when you go down to Twitch broadcasters, it's 2.2 million. So it's interesting how large the monthly viewership is Mm -hmm. going down into 2.2 million broadcasters. And then this number, which is from 2016, but I'd love to see it updated um, since we were talking about mobile a lot. Percentage of Twitch viewership that's mobile, 35%, which I think is huge. Like I have Twitch on my phone, but... I don't really use Twitch on my phone. I mostly use it at my computer. I'll put it in the background when I'm at work or something like that. So for like 40% of Twitch viewership to be mobile is just sort of like supports the fact that like so much of gaming is mobile now, even if we don't consider it or think about it like that. No, some people might just be using um, like Google Chromecast and like smart TVs too. Cause a lot of times like, I used to have like a kitchen. Uh, I have a kitchen, but I, I, I also used to have one. Uh, no, but I used to have a, a TV in my kitchen, and we had a Chromecast like up to it. And uh, like any time I'd be cooking or anything like that, a lot of times I'd throw on Twitch because sometimes I'd be catching like the end of kind of funny stuff, or if like any of our friends are streaming, and it's just like a nice thing to have up in the background, like when you're when you're busy cooking a bunch of stuff, so you you don't want to like focus on something. It's great to have that. So. I actually do. I probably am one of those 40% where I use Twitch on my phone a lot more than I think I use it on my laptop. This is something we talked about with Joey Greziak on our last episode is like 
streaming has become this platform where people are empowered and they're like, I can do this. I can get in front of people. I can create a brand. I can create content. It's like, it's almost an easier on-ramp to content creation than YouTube is because in a sense, you know, you put something on YouTube, you feel compelled to make it professional. You feel compelled to edit it and you feel compelled to do this that, and the other. Whereas Twitch is you press a button and a little window opens up to you playing video games. And so it's, it's so fascinating to me. And, and I think what's even more interesting is the space and how saturated it might be getting. I don't actually know because I don't know a lot about that space. But you look at caffeine that's coming in um, and trying to get involved in the streaming space. Obviously, Mixer getting um, involved and they're backed by Microsoft. And so there's obviously a lot of money and power there. And then we look at like the rumblings of Google and how they're going to get involved. And they are masters at streaming things. So it's interesting how streaming is kind of like spreading and how that market is actually just building before our eyes. Yeah. And then the one last point that I wanted to bring up, average amount of time spent by users on Twitch daily, 106 minutes. All right. Which so it's like if you, yeah, a little over. I mean, that's almost two hours. Yeah, like yeah. think. That's replacing people's consumption of television, media, in sort of the old old right. world media. I don't know if that's what it's called. Old world <laughs> the media. Old world media. <laughs> old world media. <laughs> no, but like instead of watching cable, like yeah. you have people watching people play video games, which is like if you told like a cable CEO that like 10 years ago, they'd be like, yeah, right. Yeah. Like I'll bet you my company that that would happen. You're like, and like here we right, are. All right, Viacom, you're on. <laughs> yeah. So very interesting. That is interesting. And like the the phenomenon of, of like cable cutters, right? It's but like, yeah, it's, it's um, cheaper. There's it's easily no, accessible. Right. There's definitely not a coincidence between those two, said Manny, not a scientist or a, or a data person. <laughs> I can feel it. Um, yeah, that is really interesting. Uh, well, those were pretty good stats, man. Thanks for bringing those to the table. Let's do like two more rounds. I'll sit out of bringing them to the table. I know you had some more you wanted to, to talk about, Steve. So I do have one. Same website from before. And this is all about the most popular video game genres. So if you guys had to guess, what's the most popular one right now? Battle Royale, Fortnite. So <laughs> Battle Royale is not a genre listed on this, but... What is the whole, what is the genre of like battle royale? Shooter? Yeah, um, so shooter is the number one at twenty five point nine percent. Action, twenty one point nine. Sports games. This is a real big drop off, by the way. Sports games in third at eleven point six. Wow. So it's a big drop. Role playing was actually fourth, which that kind of makes sense. I thought was well, I because they they beat up. Uh, well, they didn't beat up, but they beat out adventure. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that role playing kind of beat out the other ones though because yeah. those are those games that you can really get lost in but yeah i think it, i think it's it's storytelling i have always thought that video games are the most impactful form of storytelling um they're more immersive than movies for me they're more immersive than books and music and and so that's that's great i mean i i totally support um role playing and like fantasy stuff being up there that's very cool um, let's move on to the part of the show where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Patch Notes. So for Patch Notes, 7.19.18. Wow, why don't you kick it off? First up on Patch Notes. Yeah, I was going to pull up a tweet because I'm not sure how many articles have been written about this yet. Because uh, yesterday I saw Neil Blomkamp tweet 
he said, I would love to direct a video game with Max. Uh, like, what's the best way to go? And he just tweeted out, because th- that's the kind of person he is. I- I've had the pleasure of meeting him. Uh, I went to see his, his studio when he was starting Oats. Uh, he's a delightful guy, but all over the place. Uh, so he just landed Robocop, the, the sequel to the original oh movie. Oh, my God. Uh, and now he's like, I want to direct a video game with Max. And, like, immediately the entire industry is falling over itself to get uh, him to pitch his uh, his view. So that's kind of cool, because you know that's going to be nuts, because his brain is just madness where you get a peek at it what he does have any of you seen the the stuff he's done with oats no i haven't oh you should check it out it's like off the wall short movies um and without like it's just him so it's his own uh, indie studio basically so he could make whatever he wants to make i want to see a game from that brain because he's like friends with kojima and it's all the same creativity madness so that i think he tweeted out this morning Uh, i'm sure there's been like five articles about it now Uh, but that's something that i'm gonna be following closely because that's just gonna be any any friend of kojima's is a friend of mine um yeah no but that that's crazy i mean i feel like there is this intersection of film and gaming that's happened i mean you look at kojima working with guillermo del toro you look at um jordan roberts working on the metal gear movie and like shadowing kojima for the last I feel like eight months and learning everything about him. So it's fascinating um, to see that intersection. Yeah, th- that is going to be a, a, a big deal, I think, in the future of games because the narrative experience become bigger and bigger. So I am not surprised that movie directors are starting to pay attention because it, it comes with a lot of freedom, I think. But, you know, we've also seen it gone horribly wrong uh, when they stay too close to... Um, to their ips so i i'm very curious like what uh, marvel is uh, square Enix is gonna do with marvel like is it gonna be their own universe uh, spider-man is gonna be cool because it's it's not attaching themselves too close to 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 the movie because the one the, well, of the original spider-man spider-man 2 on the ps2 was amazing but it was still held back i think by wanting to hit the same notes as in the movie that's why i'm kind of excited about spider-man but i'm also exhausted by coverage of spider-man it's like two more months just give me the game like i don't need to actually i heard an article this morning that they're gonna uh use toby Maguire as the voice of spider-man yeah i bet yeah get excited (laughs) yeah (laughs) cool all right uh who's up next for patch notes why don't we go with steve in the newsroom so my article from ign.com by shabana arif called Horizon Zero Dawn Dev Expands in Order to Make Games Faster. So Guerrilla Games is expanding its offices at the start of next year to speed up the game-making process. Guerrilla is taking over five floors at its offices in Amsterdam with the intention of making the location a permanent home for the studio. So really what they're trying to do is they're currently at 250 employees. They want to upgrade that to 400 employees that are going to be permanent full-time employees and they want to get it because I think Horizon Zero Dawn in the article it says it took about six and a half years to produce. Jesus. And they want to aim for two to three years between games. Not even just sequels to franchises, but also new IPs. So first of all, as a consumer of these games, I'm excited because this just means we're going to get awesome games at a faster rate. And it's not like they're trying to rush these out with a short staff. They're actually expanding their staff to make sure they still are putting out quality content, which is cool. And then on the other side of that, this is awesome news for just game developers as a whole. Now you're seeing studios like Guerrilla Games, which is a very big studio. They had a lot of success with Horizon Zero Dawn. 
So you're seeing these studios actually try to expand and try to make more. And that's just going to lead to more opportunities for everybody, not just the gamers who enjoy these uh, these products, but also the people who work tirelessly to actually create this content for us to enjoy. So it's kind of a win-win for everybody. And uh, if this means we get to see a sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn quicker, then sign me up. Sign Steve up. It's it's a super cool building they're moving into as well. It's it's uh, protected by the monuments in, in Holland. Uh, it's a monumental building. Uh, it's like... 80 years old uh, and it's uh, where the one of the first newspapers was printed wow um, I, I i noticed because there was a tweet in dutch that i because <laughs> uh, i used to live in in the netherlands they were saying that they want to turn the building into like a gaming museum of sorts where they're going to have like life-size yeah. character models of different games so i think it'll be it'll be really cool uh, it will be cool yeah, it looks pretty yeah. awesome the no clip documentary on the making of horizon zero dawn is amazing and yeah, I feel like even me, who is super far removed from not only Holland, but Horizon Zero Dawn in terms of its production, I've seen like three or four people tweeting, like, I'm excited to announce I'm a writer for Guerrilla Games, or I've just been hired as a... I saw that yeah, tweet Yeah, and so like, I've, I feel like I've noticed that as well. Um, and yeah, they're on a tear, as they should be, so good for them. I'll go next. So I was going to talk about Spider-Man, because the new trailer was released today, it looks really cool. Everybody go watch it, but that's not my news piece. I got a text from a friend about 20 minutes ago. Shout out to Varsha for texting this to me. Thanks, Thanks Varsha. Varsha. Uh, Thanks, Varsha. Fortnite. It's a little bit about Fortnite. Um, so this is coming from PlayStationLifestyle.net, written by Janet Garcia. Uh, Fortnite has earned an incredible amount of money from in-game purchases alone, is the title of this article. I'm just going to read a little bit from the article. While skeptics have dismissed Fortnite and the Battle Royale genre as a fad, Fortnite continues to prove itself. Its prosperity and impact only speaks towards its potential longevity. Fortnite has earned over $1 billion in in-game purchases alone. Considering That's how so much nuts. the average player, the average video game player spends, this does kind of make sense. So this was coming from a research firm called Superdata. <laughs> it's really original. Soup or data. Soup or data. Those are our sides. <laughs> Yeah, published a report on Fortnite and the Battle Royale games um, in the, in general, um, which included that that uh, figure. So yeah, crazy amounts of money only because the game is, as we know, free to play. But Fortnite just continues to crush it. Like they just must be when they turn the faucets on, gold bars must come out um, at work because it's amazing what they've been able to do. And now with like their crossovers with Thanos and like all those. Um, they, you know, they just kicked off season five and um, all the crazy things that are coming out of that. It's overwhelming. <laughs> I think we cannot understate how important it is that Fortnite does well with in-game purchases because they are changing the market over the next couple of years because nobody's pissed off about Fortnite loot boxes because it's all, I can't think of the word Cosmetics. right now. Cosmetic, yes. Uh, it, and people are buying it hand over fist. Right. And I think most other games have been going at it wrong by by adding little perks and bonuses and uh, or added gameplay, but it's it's right there. It, like the menu is right there. This is what players yeah. want. They have no issue buying it. They don't get any bad press about any of their monetization schemes because it's free. Like even if you do this in a sixty dollar game, I think you would yeah. get away with it. Um, and it's it's real. Well, I, I shouldn't talk, but like uh, you can come up with new costumes relatively easily for most games that you right. have or or weapons that just look cooler but do the exact same kind of damage yeah. um, I, I think we'll we'll see the 
the impact of, of Fortnite when it comes to DLC and microtransactions over the next few years. And I think it's only going to be positive for the industry because I, I still am a big believer that games are too cheap, even though I just spent $90 on Octopath Traveler here in Canada. Right. It's nuts. But like these are expensive games nowadays and they're still 60 right. bucks in the mm-hmm. US, uh, the same as they were in 1997. Um, and the marketing, everything has gone up except for the price. So... And I love loot boxes. Like I've, <laughs> like I've spent. Yeah. I've done my dues when it came to like Mass Effect multiplayer. I have spent a lot of money on those loot boxes. Yeah. Um, but now they they have a formula that can work for a lot of other games. So I'm very yeah. curious to see how the impact of Fortnite is going to resonate uh, or echo right. through upcoming games. Definitely. As well. Yeah. A billion dollars, man. Dear Lord. Right. Like we're in the wrong business. <laughs> All right, Matt. To round off patch notes, what do you have for news? Uh, so No Man's Sky released a trailer for their new update, which they are branding as No Man's Sky Next. Yep. I have to give the developers credit that they're still going at it. They released a game with expectations and saying things to the press that just were not true. The game released. So many people were disappointed. But I feel like they're totally devoted to like delivering on those original promises, yeah. which is like they could have just cut and left and started something else. But they've like really put in the time and energy for this right. game and for the, the diehard fans that do like it. They're adding a first to third person mode switch that you can so do. Cool. It kind of looks like Space Engineers yeah. now uh, in third person <laughs> mode. You can build uh, like fleets now. You can have fleets of ships. Uh, I think there's different limits on uh, where you can build, or, or they're getting rid of yeah. limits of where you can build you on can build planets. Anywhere, yeah. and, and you so, can race. There's a racing component. You can like race with friends and stuff. Pod race, <laughs> potentially. Ooh. I still dream of that game. That game was, was fantastic so in the arcade. I fucking love it so much. <laughs> it was one of my favorite games. I was talking about just like last we week. We talk about it in our Discord so a good. lot. <laughs> We're all very big fans. Yeah, yeah and then some just graphical uh, visual mm-hmm. updates. So we'll see if this does anything to really like infuse more into the community. We'll have more. There'll be more of a, a multiplayer yep. aspect since you'll be able to run around with folks, which is what they had originally said all the way like two years ago or whenever the game released. Right. So it'll be interesting to see if that infuses more of a, a community into the game uh, or not. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if this was sort of like their last go at it to see if they really can make the game sort of a, a more continuous multiplayer experience that requires more updates or just sort of you know move on to the next thing at this point because I feel like that's maybe the decision they have yeah, to make. I was definitely one of those very disappointed people when I bought that game for 60 bucks and played it for like two days. Yeah, and same. I was like, this is it, huh? This is all I can do. Right. You lasted two whole days. <laughs> yeah. I'm Some, shocked. That's a I'm lot. Shocked. Steve. In no man's sky years. That's it was a thousand three decades, <laughs> a thousand years. But then um, I was, this was making me interested in maybe checking it out again. And then I went on the PlayStation store and found out it's still 60 fucking dollars. <laughs> So I'm going to try to pick it the up. The expansion is $60? No, just the, the game. game. The just to game. buy the game again. Oh, okay. I, don't, I don't have it anymore. But, um, but can you buy the expansion? Oh, the expansion's free. It's free. It's so I'm going to I'm gonna try to snag it used if I can. I saw yeah. a couple of places that were having it for like 14 bucks. So that's not as yeah, bad. I, I will be the first to admit that I should talk this game a ton. And I meant it, and I don't regret it, and I don't take it back. But I also, to your point, Matt, I totally applaud them for plugging away because it seems like it seems like they're delivering on what they promised us and like sure 
too whatever how many years too late some people are saying too little too late and that's okay but um i don't know it's i have this conversation with people and it's like when when is it okay to forgive <laughs> in the gaming space like when is it Never. okay to go like will ea ever be forgiven by people will you know like will bungie ever be forgiven for you know having boring endgame in destiny 2 like um if anthem is exceptional then i'll forgive ea Okay. <laughs> <That's fair>. <laughs> <laughs> that giggle that's fair yeah what what how do you feel about no man's sky next so, okay so no man's sky is one of the very 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 few games i have actually gotten mad about yeah because i bought it day one uh, i didn't pre-order but i went to the store and hard copy bought it and i played it for like three hours i was like what the hell is this and then I ruined it even further for myself by discovering an exploit where I could like resell the same item like 400 times. So within like four hours, I had the biggest ship. I didn't have to do anything because I had unlimited credits. So I could just fly to the next point in the universe. And then there's nothing. I was like, are you kidding? Yeah. <laughs> this game is garbage. But that was just my personal experience because if you're not like cheating in a game probably it's, it might be a little bit more fun and what i do like about uh monomous guys they have the community that they do have is a very loyal very loving uh, community like uh, uh, i follow some some guys that, that truly love the game and uh, for them to get this big update like as a redemption part uh, and they are they already love it i don't think this is going to bring players back even though everybody's like oh this looks interesting i might give it a shot but why would you go play no man's sky next when you have a game like dragon's dogma for <laughs> so you get paid every time yeah, you mention true. it that's the formula i'm i'm on the fence like i i commend them um i sell my hard copy i i you know we've talked about it on our discord and like running around space with friends sounds rad but it also sounds like Anthem. Yeah, except without the combat or right. the story. Or right. anything to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. But like I I love the I love things like sub subnautica. I love things like the forest, you know, where I can like explore and build and craft and meet folks and survive, right? So uh kind of a game for me, but I don't know if I'm gonna be willing to like wait for the download, wait for the update, and then find people who are doing the same thing. But we'll see. All right, so that was patch notes. 7.19.18 where we update you on the gaming news that broke since last we spoke so we do have a voicemail it's kind of old um so this is friend of the show reese calling in uh, in reference to our episode that i think we had i think it was two episodes ago now about games that define this generation so he had some thoughts he wants to share and reese we apologize it has taken a little long to get back to you on this one but uh let's hear what he has to say Hey, Ombra. Just a con in response to your uh, defining games of this generation. And I think you missed some huge, huge things that defined this generation. And the two games I'm going to point out are uh, Star Wars Battlefield 2 or Battlefront, whatever the hell it was, and No Man's Sky. The first, I think, really represents that the vile cynicism and disrespect for the customer um, and complete lack of integrity that defined big-name publishers over this last generation, the most egregious, of course, being EA, the publishers of that game. And it really just brings together the double-speak and the soulless corporatism of these focus-grouped games that are designed to not be good gameplay experiences and not sell based on that, but just to just based on name recognition and brand recognition 
in order to try to hook their players into this uh, this gambling and compulsive spending that is just a plague on gaming. Uh, And No Man's Sky, I think, is the best representation of a a number of games that had huge aspirations, or presumably had huge aspirations, and lots and lots of hype behind them with absolutely no substance. Um, So those are my picks, and I think those are really, really important things about this generation that you guys just didn't touch upon. So hopefully this can add to that. Uh, Also, Matt, Skyrim is a last-gen game. All right, see you guys later. Bye. Skyrim is a game that'll be on every gen for, for the ever. rest of time. <laughs> so I didn't realize how fitting that would be, considering we just talked about No Man's Sky. But I think like at the end of the day, he brings up a good point in that the ones that we highlighted were like games that define this generation in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And Fair this enough, generation yeah. is not without its flaws, and we know that. So yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll let you guys respond because I feel like I talk a lot, but I think for me, it just goes back to the question of like, do we forgive in the gaming space? And if so, when and why? When you can tell that the publisher has actually wised up and learned their lesson. I feel like EA is going the right way. They announced with Battlefield 5, there's no premium pass, there's no loot boxes, there's no anything. So you just kind of have to see it play out. Like I, yeah. I have faith that they'll that they're gonna wise up and like I, th- I think Battlefield Five will be a good game regardless, just because I like the Battlefield series. I've always enjoyed those games, but everybody's looking like Matt had already mentioned. Everybody's looking at Anthem. What yep. are you gonna do with Anthem? Yeah, that's gonna be really the test. And I think if they pull that off, then I think you'll start to see people forget about Star Wars Battlefront Two and just focus on the good stuff they're doing. Right. I think that they will always they will they're just gonna get better at their monetization mm-hmm. they're, they're they're never gonna make a game so we can have something to play that we love and give it for free if they could like that's never there like games are made by people with a lot of passion but they are products to generate profit and sometimes we seem to forget that and then we get mad because something doesn't work and i think they just keep pushing the line pushing the line to see what's acceptable and with battlefront they i, I think they went over it but it, it's it's never gonna be gone unless games are gonna be a hundred dollars um, so I'm curious. I wouldn't call the uh, generation defining, but uh, when we look at Fortnite, we just talked about it. They they sold a billion dollars of of useless stuff because um, <laughs> it's it's just different pants. Like, and for some reason that is not gambling. Uh, right. Did you get the pants that you? Want? I, I'm not 100 sure how how the the boxes work yeah. in uh, in Fortnite. If it's a random chance that you get or that you can buy the skin that you want, I doubt that. Uh, but I have zero information. I could Google it and, and know that. But uh, so I wouldn't call generation defining. Same for No Man's Sky. I think there's always been games that were overpromised. Like uh, Fable uh, has a game that's traditionally been over overpromised, underdelivered. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe it was this generation's Fable. I don't know. Sea of Thieves is not doing uh, th- that well. That yeah. was a huge promise that is not being delivered on right now. Even though people that played also love it, um, so yeah. I'm not sure. I think Reese is just trying to be snarky with you. He is and to say that's that that's you're wrong. um his strengths lie in that arena. Yeah. I would say <laughs> I love him but, to but, death. But he does bring up a good point that uh, it's not always um, roses and, and moonlight. It's true. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, in that he's not wrong. Um, well, as always, thanks for calling in, Reese. Regardless of your snark levels, I think you always bring some insightful things to the show. I already like Reese. He's a good guy. He's a good egg, as they say. Well, folks, 
It's been a long one, but that's been our episode 38 of the Ombre Gaming Podcast. Wow. A thousand times. Thank you so much for, for also, I had a lot of fun. This was, this was a blast. Was great. Uh, tell us again where people can find you and where they can check out your uh, funny jokes and uh, yeah. So so mainly you can find me on on Twitter under the at the hashtagonist and the O is a zero because the original hashtagonist is someone who doesn't use Twitter but will not let uh, her account go for me unfortunately, uh, which just sucks. But um, and I also have a Patreon on Patreon.com/slash the hashtagonist if you. Uh, just, just go check out what I do first, because you know if you hate Dragon's Dogma, you're probably not gonna like my content. <laughs> um, but uh, that that would be great. Um, and uh, I, but I I like to be part of the community. Like yeah. I know so many great people now, and I love connecting people. Uh, and I will always uh, say yes when I'm available to uh, to come on your show, and I will have to have you guys on my show. Absolutely, too. we would we would absolutely be honored to. Yeah, um, everyone, go check out the hashtagness. Check them out. Uh, on Twitter and check them out at patreon.com slashed slashed slash slashed antagonist um <laughs> patreon.com slash the hashtagonist hashtagonist thanks um that's great yeah I, I I thank you again I mean it was so great meeting you at PAX um and and all the connections that have come from that and the community that you've fostered around over gaming has been fantastic so we really appreciate it um are you going to PAX West by any chance uh no like um I, I usually I get to pick one event a year, yeah, because uh, it's uh, you know it's it's still out of pocket and uh, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not working right now, but you know it's all days away from the family that I yeah. can't spend elsewhere. So I pick one. I pick Pax East uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Next year I'm not sure. Uh, maybe E3. Maybe I really like the panels at Pax. Yeah. Uh, so that was great. Agreed. But 2020 is going to be the E3 to be, I think, when the new consoles are going to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah that's so. true. We should start saving up. Well, hopefully we will cross paths again sometime and we'll have a, have a beer or two. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. Uh, if you enjoyed what we were talking about, let us know. You can give us a call at 347-509-5620 and tell us what you liked. And if there's some stuff you didn't like, don't call us. Uh, <laughs> and if you feel so compelled, you can find us on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, whether it's Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Player FM, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, and all those other ones in between. Let us know how we're doing. Give us a rating. Throw us a comment. We would appreciate it. And if you want to support us on Patreon and help us grow, you can do that at patreon.com slash ombragaming. And we would appreciate it a whole lot if you threw us a buck or two. So with that, folks, wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, We appreciate you, and we will talk to you very soon. From IGN.com by Shabana Arif. Horizon Zero, like what? Like that's her fucking name. Just the way you said it. (laughs) Like, what do you want? (laughs) Go on. (laughs) Jesus Christ. McCooch, Dave McCooch, making another appearance. It was Eddie. It was Eddie. (laughs) Sorry. So I'll start that over. Start it over. Do it.